Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 490 on Tuesday, the 6th of September, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be raising an eyebrow over one company's apparent lust for data. We'll take what Waze tells us with a pinch of salt, and we wonder if there is such a thing as too many model cars. First, though, we go into a smidgen of follow-up. Now, if you remember probably three, four months ago, Mm. there was talk about Rivian is going to open a new monstrous factory, and it's going to be wonderful for the Southwest, and Somerset Council was going to build all new roads and all sorts of things. Basically going to hump their leg, yes. Yes. Turns out Rivian isn't actually going to come to the UK. There's a slight fly in the ointment for them as far as they're concerned. They do not like the proposed changes to the UK data laws. Those are the proposed changes which are less strict than the existing GDPR pan-European data laws, yes? They are effectively as bad as the US has. Oh, as loose as the US has, you mean? Yes. I mean, that's bad, but I just wanted to make sure that it was the the lack of law is as bad as it is here. Uh, the, the lack of oversight, the lack of ability to prevent any problems as a person mm. with your data. Basically, you mm. don't get to control any of it is what the new no. rules are. I'm summarizing heavily here, but rather than go through many pages. So, so anyway, even that really, really loose definition. Yes is still too tough for Rivian. Yes, because Rivian have uh, announced, or they announced back in August in filings, they said that Britain's GDPR reforms, and I'm quoting here from a, a thread and a tweet, GDPR reform plans posed a barrier to its plan for a major plant in the country. The firm's vehicles gather, quote from the uh, <laughs> from the filing, significant information about our customers and their vehicles. Mm-hmm. And what they like to do is they like to take all that data and hide it in America, in America data centers, and do whatever the American laws will allow them to do with American data. Well, there's two things on this. One, good, they're not coming here, if that's their attitude to data. Mm. But two, they are cutting off vast swathes of the globe with that sort of stance because more and more countries are going yeah if you generate data in our country your data center is in our country yes they are they must be crossing china off their list they must have crossed mm-hmm. europe off their list because if our, if the proposed ones weren't good enough what are they going to do with actual gdpr yeah yeah exactly it's- and and india have said data centers need to be in their country we've seen it over the year with with magazines and stuff back at the start when we started motion podcast before gdpr came in they could quite easily read all the american magazine website yeah as soon as gdpr came in it was easier for them to just go not than to comply it was uh it was re- they were all region locked yep we couldn't access them from the uk oh, God, don't even get me started we're going to have a special edition at some point soon about buying a car here just don't there will be lots of this kind of grumbling don't don't worry about it <laughs> But if you want to learn a bit more about this, you need to uh, click the link to uh, Vincent Manacor's thread uh, talking about this. Yeah. And Rivian are actually, or it is clear that it's going to, and again quoting, may limit or inhibit our ability to operate or expand our business with the, this, this way of doing data. It's crazy that they actually thought that they would get away with that outside yeah. the US. But yeah. there we go. Never mind. Should we move on to new, new news? Yeah, news. beginning of the month. 
It is. It's the beginning of the month. So, uh, so yes, uh, SMMT new car registration figures. Now, there's much, much uh, hooing and hollering and crying and uh, launching of balloons and all sorts of happiness because the month of August, traditionally a quiet month, shows a rise of 1.2%. Yay, all the problems Yay. are over. After five <laughs> months of awful decline. Let's just be completely aware, though, that that's 1.2%, which is basically a rounding error, especially given how low the numbers are over August last year, which... Oh, that was a superb was month last year, wasn't it? I mean, really? it's not like it was yeah. the worst since 2013 just, at all. No. No, exactly. You know, there's all this. The market is still down 35.3% from pre-pandemic. So, yay, but also, yeah, but, yeah, etc. You know, supply, all these things, all these things are awful. And, of course, it would all be probably the same, probably less, if it hadn't been a Tesla boat yep. uh, month. Overall, when it comes to what you put in the car, courtesy of Tristan Young, who is a freelance journalist, editorial director at Auto Retail Network, and a contributing editor for fleetandleasing.com. I think that's our contractually obliged plug. <laughs> the least we can do, considering he puts this out is the least every we can month. Do, considering he does this, and this saves us the, the effort. Uh, essentially, the market share obviously goes to petrol. It's got 70% of the market. Battery electric vehicles are at 14% of the market, smidgen under, diesel at 10.6%, and plug-in hybrid at 6.27% of the market in August of this year. Now, the interesting thing about the plug-in hybrid is that is mm. just slightly down. We know diesel goes down every month, yeah. but the plug-in hybrid goes down slightly. And I've been seeing more and more comments about how plug-in hybrids are not selling as well as they have been as a as a species. Yes, that's probably just because, because, well, it's probably a couple of things, but I would imagine that some of it is because there are more battery electric vehicles for around the same price, which have, which have a good enough range for most people. I think it would be people trying, uh, well, if we're going to stick with our surmise that we think, you know, plug-in hybrid's a good starter step. Mm. it's coming up now to three years, four years, transferring yeah, on and going, actually, exactly. I can do this as a as a BEV now. Yeah, there is that. There's also, you know, obviously the thing is there's a lot of pressure on, uh, pressure from companies to show how clean and green they are and to have electric company cars. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there are tax benefits as well in there. So yeah, lots of that kind of, lots of that kind of stuff uh, going on. Uh, anyway, let's move to the best registers as a list. Yep. We start at number 10, uh, the Citroen C3 with 1,140 units registered. At number nine, the Vauxhall Mocha. At number eight, the Vauxhall Crossland. At number seven, the Peugeot 208 with 1,244. So not much between them at all, just no. 100 each between those. Although a good little run there for, for uh, Stellantis. Yep. Ford Cougar at 1,281. Volkswagen Tiroc in at number five, 1,460. Uh, number four, despite what you might have seen from their tweets, the Vauxhall Corsa at 1,608. <laughs> that's fourth, right? Not first? Fourth. That's fourth. Yes, yeah, that, that, okay. that is Just fourth. clarifying that. <laughs> uh, number three, the Hyundai Tucson with 1,739. At number two, the Ford Puma. 
1875 and at number one, the Vauxhall Polo, Vauxhall, pardon me, the Volkswagen Polo at 1902. I mean, I know it's been still as heavy, but... <laughs> have some more coffee here yes number one the year today it remains the uh, Vauxhall Corsa with a 4,000 unit margin 4,060 thank you ahead of the Ford Puma it's only because I worked that out yesterday <laughs> yeah I was like you did not do that on the spare no chance there is no way <laughs> the spreadsheet of doom despite the slight rise in numbers is quite doomy yes there's just lots of lots of, obviously all the manufacturers roughly about well, the major manufacturers roughly about where they were last year, I'd say. Yeah. So if I, I'll run through this quickly, although the first one's going to take a little moment. First is our bath down 94.81%. Now, if you want to understand what that means, 2021, they registered 135. 2022, seven. It must be supply. Yeah, supply. Absolutely. Then Alpine's down 80%. Audi down 20%. Bentley down Forty-two percent, but then they had a pretty decent twenty twenty-one. If we remember, Bentley yeah. in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty-one did really well. The, these small manufacturers like Alpine and Audi, uh, Alpine and Audi, Alpine and Bentley. <laughs> well, if it keeps going like that for Audi, they will be a small manufacturer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, do you remember? It swings around. It depends what cars if they're building left-hand drive or right-hand drive in a particular week or month. So yeah, yeah. Fiat's down thirty-five percent. Honda down thirty-four. Jeep down 37, Kia down 15. That's a bit of a shock because they've been doing reasonably well. Mm. And normally they've got at least one in the top 10 as well, but they didn't. Yeah. Uh, Lexus down 64%, Maserati down 55, Mazda is down 22, Mercedes down 15. And then we move to Polestar, that's down 46%, but there's still 118 vehicles registered, That that means... Seat down 62%, Subaru down 22%, which is, well, 53. They registered 53. I mean, I'm surprised it's that many. It's, uh, uh, it's just over one a week. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, but in a month, I know, I know. Uh, Suzuki is down nearly 60%. That is quite a drop because last year it was 1,749 and this year it's mm. 700 on the nose. And the final one is Volvo down 37%, but that ties in and... Polestar will tie in with this as well, but that ties in with recent communications when they were announcing their earnings that the supply Mm. chain is biting them hard. I mean, as with all these other companies, it's the supply chain is the problem. And it's harder for luxury companies because they need more bits from more places. Yeah. And the the real problem is that China's doing another lockdown in certain areas. They've just started. Mm. It's going to keep impacting. Yeah, anyway, a positive ones. Yes, yeah. please. Citroen up 98%, Cooper up 144%, Dacia up 108%, DS up 207%. Genesis win the MG Award for ridiculous percentages with 833.33%, moving from six vehicles to 56 vehicles registered. <laughs> Hyundai up 35%, so it must be their month for the cars and not Kia. <laughs> Mini up 60 Nissan up 60 Ooh, Nissan up 16%. I think that must be the cash cow. I'm seeing quite a lot of the new cash cows out. Because nobody can get anything else. <clears throat> Porsche. <laughs> Porsche up 40, 45%. Renault 18%. Smart up 27%. Sangyong up 151%. Tesla, who now like the big boys. Well done. Because they're definitely a startup. Well, well done, done te- Well done, Tesla. You can 
move, you know, you can move out of nappies and into the big boy bed now. Uh, up 92.67%, having registered uh, 946 cars as opposed to 491 last year. Uh, Vauxhall up 43%, and other imports up 27.78%. So goodness knows what that's Well, they've obviously taken out Tesla for that. Well, that's true. Yes, obviously. Yeah. Given Tesla now have their own line. I yeah, so they'll have to take, because otherwise other imports was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, so that's it, really. But the, the the thing to note, though, is that Mike Hawes of uh, SMMT was very clear in saying that they are going to need a lot of help with the energy prices. That is going to be a massive, massive shock to an already struggling industry that is dealing with a number of number of problems, local and <laughs> from abroad. Watch this space. Right, I'm going to take us to BMW. And a quick story here is that they have started now, after years and years and years of talking about development, but they have finally started producing a few fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell vehicles at their plant in Munich. They are making a small fleet of the iX5 hydrogen SUVs, and they'll be used for global testing as well as uh, demonstration, according to the AM Online article that we have linked in the show notes. They've been working with Toyota haven't they, um, for quite mm-hmm. some time yeah. on their hydrogen tech. So I think it's, you know, it, I, I think this is part of that whole, you know, we had the Supra um, Z4, we're working well, together. This is a different aspect of how these companies are realising they can't develop this stuff on their own and they need to work with partners. BMW have been trying this for years and years and years, decades indeed. Um, you know, there were posters up in the CDT department uh, when I was at school from BMW showing off these hydrogen fuel cells, hydrogen fuel cell 7 series and 5 series, and they were E28s, mm. and the equivalent shark no 7 series number, which I always forget. This has been around for a long, long time. What's interesting in what BMW is saying at this point is that they, uh, the chairman, Oliver Zips, was saying that it's important for personal mobility. Now, that's slightly mm. at odds where a lot of uh, commentators seem to feel and I know we lean this way, that it is better suited, particularly initially, to more commercial-type vehicles, that it is more beneficial for a quick a, a quick recharge, yeah. for the sake of argument. <laughs> it, yeah, it depends on the... But but, but that, that still kind of fits into that. I don't know. Let's let's see what he means by that, because that's okay. it can be... Personal mobility can be anything. It can be a combination of public and private transport. Yeah, but again, infrastructure is key. None of this will come out if there's no infrastructure. As you know, the the battle and the comments you still see to do with EVs now is the oh, it's always infrastructure related. It's never it's it's very rarely EV related these days. Yeah. It's like oh, I had plenty of charge, but the charge station was down. Yeah, I should have been able to do this easily, but the charge station was down. That, yeah. That's what I keep seeing anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to take us to Renault though? Yes. We've been talking quite a lot about refactories and urban mining and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, Renault, uh, and we talked about a startup at Silverstone a few weeks ago that are refurbishing diesel vehicles, stripping them down, rebuilding them as as EVs. Mm -hmm. And Renault has opened a used parts factory uh, just outside Lyon. And it's it's uh, it's only for its trucks. So it's the Renault Trucks Disassembly Plant, and it will be located in Lyon, Venisseur in France. And the idea is that high mileage trucks and basically knackered trucks uh, will be bought, stripped down, 
uh, and parts that are good will be cleaned up or refurbished um, and then put back into the parts supply chain. Yeah, and everything else will get recycled. Yeah. But the important thing is, and if you remember when we were talking about uh, Renault moving, uh, recognizing the importance of this, they'll be controlling mm. that that process, all the process, oh. so they'll be able to maximize the ability to reuse or recycle whatever it is. And they'll be able to put those parts back out via its dealer network. One of the reasons that it's in uh, Lyon, by the way, is it's as close as possible to Renault's logistics center, Renault Trust Logistics Center. Yeah. Close, close thing. Watch out for... If this is a success, I bet it won't be that long before Volvo announce, Volvo Trucks announce similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reason being that uh, Volvo and Renault Trucks are pretty much the same thing. Very closely linked. I think it's a great idea that that, Mm -hmm. uh, how well it works for them. I don't know what their expectations are. So that would be interesting to know what the expectations are and whether those get met or get close to. I do like that. I, the, the article linked in the show notes is from Jalopnik. I, I do like the sort of the, one of the comments at the top, which is, you know, do they put a disassembled in France sticker on each part? <laughs> right. I'm going to take us moving away from lorries being pulled apart to electric buses. And the company First Bus has ordered 193 electric buses from Right Bus. All the buses here. Yeah, I remember when they were just Grampian Transport. (laughs) To be used in uh, several uh, towns and cities around the country outside of London. So they're going to go to Leicester, York, Leeds, Norwich and Portsmouth, all of which will help massively (laughs) as those are really yucky cities to drive through uh, in terms of air. This is a great thing, uh, I feel. The, The more that we can get out there the quicker we can do it, the better, because then it it shows that it's not all London-centric for all these things. Obviously, London hits the headlines because it's so big and their need is so immediate, mm-hmm. but everywhere else is affected as well. So it's, we're starting now to see trickle down. That's great. But nearly half the money is coming from a grant from the Department of Transport Zero Emission Bus Regional Area, or ZEBRA, apparently. It's one of those awful ones where the acronym came first. Yes, it? it did. It really did. So that's thirty-eight million from them, uh, and the other forty-three million is coming from First Bus themselves. One hundred ninety-three bus is still a small drop in the ocean for First Bus, mm. but it's a darn good start. Yep, yep. Could you help explain something to me in France, Alan? Because uh, no. I'm very confused. No, Polestar has not been allowed to sell vehicles in france so far so um selling in all the you know right around europe but not france and the reason for this is because citroen and, and stellantis uh said no no no, you can't do that because because the badges are too similar the company's logo infringed citroen's double chevron so the polestar if we remember is uh-huh. sort of chevrony but they're pointing at each other the point bits Yes, so they form a plus in the form of a in the form of a plus, as opposed to two chevrons stacked. Yes, which is how I would describe the the Citroen. Now, not that I've spent any time at all working with the intellectual property office and looking at trademarks and stuff. <laughs> so you know there is quite. It, it comes down to the whole moron in a hurry legal definition. Would they notice the difference between two stacked chevrons and two chevrons pointing at each other? So that bit there is, is, I think that it, 
I think it's freaking obvious. Uh, more complicated, <laughs> though, is the DS logo. Partly, possibly, because nobody knows what DS logo looks like. But yes, the original block was put in place by a French court. It's gone through. There's been a, an ongoing legal battle for some considerable period of time. However, the two companies have ended the dispute. There's no explanation, according to Car Scoops, for the change. But the Citroen spokesman told the publication, the complaints have been withdrawn, the case is closed. That's helpful. But Citroen did petition the European court uh, um, not so long ago to expand this across the EU. I presume they went to regional courts or countries' courts Mm. and got laughed out of court, hopefully. And that's why they've had to go through the EU court (laughs) route. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I would imagine... You know, from anything that I've I've done or, or, or seen or, or, or been told about this kind of stuff, and I am no expert, uh, certainly not legal in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, there is the form. It doesn't sound like it. You know, the form of the device mm. uh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't sound similar at all, other than there are chevrons involved. Yeah, all very silly. And the only people that who won out of all of that, the lawyers. The lawyers, yeah. Right, I am now going to take us to Waze. And in this country, in fact, in Surrey, police have admitted to uh, gaming, I think is the politest way I can put this, gaming ways to indicate that they are on roads that after the immediate press of the button, they are no longer in the location they indicated. Yes, however, this is not always the case. No. So what they're doing is they're driving along, they'll go down a road, they'll press police car here, and they'll keep going on their route. The idea that they are hoping and they think is what's happening is people see that on their ways and slow down because they think there's somebody there, hmm. possibly with a speed gun. Yeah. They reckon it, take, it, keep, it will slow and steady traffic speeds for about 20 minutes. be interesting to see if they've actually properly done some research into that. But what it also means is that we now doubt Waze's information. (laughs) Now, we have to be clear, though, they have not technically broken any rules of Waze in doing this, because they, funnily enough, because they they mentioned this on Twitter, and funnily enough, they got quite a lot of angry replies, which I think is very brave of those people to do that on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Expecting a knock on the door (laughs) soon. What Waze has said is if they find a user repeatedly giving false information, so if they say there is something here, there is a broken down car here repeatedly, and the next person who comes along goes, no, there isn't, and the next one goes, no, there isn't, because that's how it all Mm. works. If you've never used Waze, you can help keep it up to date. Uh, They will prevent that user from adding any information into Waze's algorithm and on their maps. Mm. I think this is quite naughty. Whilst it's not illegal, I think it is a great way to get people to not trust stuff, Mm. which is unhelpful, to say Mm. the least. Flip side of all this, in America... (laughs) Sorry, I was just out of thought. I was just out of thought. Do do, do you think think that happens with the the people who control the highways agency signs over over the motorways as well? Not at all. Well, they, they they get that they get uh, that they get banned from ways for putting up uh, false information. <laughs> if only. Sorry, if if we look at America, they've got the other problem where they are not happy to be on ways at all because they fear that it exposes their officers to risk of harm because people will now know. Oh, there's a copper there. 
and I will go to that. That is the fear that I will go to that location. But then again, if you do arm your entire country, you do have additional risks. <laughs> yes, correct. You increase the risks. But mm. there we go. Huh? Yep. <sighs> Let's not talk about that one. <laughs> Aurora, self-driving tech company. Yes. Mostly working on HGVs and the like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're having trouble. They are, are trying to control the cash burn at the minute uh, whilst looking for uh, an investor. Uh, so lots of cost-cutting, uh, lots of new ways to generate cash being thought up. One of them isn't remembering not to put send to all employees on an email. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad one. Because that's you know, how we, we found really out about all this. That, that, Amazon, that Apple or Microsoft or someone's going to buy you. Yes. You know, Aurora does have, by the way, does have partnerships, pilot partnerships in place with FedEx, Packard, and some of the other big transport companies here in the US, like Schneider, Werner, and Express as well. Which is part of their problem because they keep, those yeah. partners keep moving the goalposts on when they want to move forward and do certain things. So that's, mm. Adding to the problems of Aurora's cash flow, and whilst they feel they're confident they've got money up until 2024, they are being proactive and going, we don't want to get to there and then go, oh, sorry, everyone, you're fired because we've got nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is a which you know is is an admirable stance to take. Yeah, it's what a proper business will do you would yes hope. exactly it, it is well yeah but that doesn't always go with startups does it no it doesn't no it doesn't at all and uh i mean again an, an another line uh that, or an angle on this which makes me feel that they are being run by adults is they say we could go down the letting people go route but we know that will hit morale we know that won't be good for people and we'll then have the problem of other people going well if they're going i, I better go before that before i'm fired yeah uh, and it, which, again, is a grown-up way to deal with these things and understand the ramifications of your decisions. Mm. One thing I will say is there was a lot of headlines going, this company thinks Apple or Microsoft will buy them. That's not what they said at they all. They don't. That's not what it was. No, not at all. They they say this is, again, in their list of possible ways they could make money is is along the lines of being bought up by Possibly, hmm. possibly being bought up by a company like Apple, like Microsoft. Or even spinning off subsidiary parts of them to other large companies as well as one of the others. So the thing about Aurora is it's one of those ones that everyone's saying, okay, this could work. They're not focusing on the on the, the, the small consumer market. They're focusing on the fleet market. Yeah. And yeah, and, and just I think as much because by the sounds of it, as much because of circumstance as anything as well as self-driving is hard yes yes uh, there is, are extra um, factors yeah yes it, it, if at all possible then even the brightest uh, brightest stars in this in this area um can, can find that shine hit a little bit yeah or quite significantly in a minute absolutely uh, another autonomous vehicle story for you andrew yeah, Cruise has recalled 80 of their self-driving vehicles. Um, that's their full fleet for San Francisco, I believe, where they've been testing on public roads. Back in June, it one of their cars had an accident with a human-driven vehicle where it turned left into – it turned in unprotected left – uh, which I don't understand, and Alan maybe does now, but an unprotected left turn 
with a vehicle that was coming the other way that was speeding. So it was. This isn't all on the autonomous vehicle, by the way. No, a, a lot of the a, yeah, quite a bit of this isn't actually. The human driver was doing wrong things in all this. Mm. But what's key is. Cruz admitted in their report back to the NHTSA that their software predicted, and I'm hurting my fingers here doing He's doing air commas. quotes. I want to slap him because he's doing air no, quotes. But, the, but, but then, but predicted should be slapped as well. But it mm. predicted that the car would turn and it didn't. It came straight on. And that's when someone who's a passenger in the human driven vehicle and a passenger who was a cruise employee in the cruise vehicle, got injured and had to go to hospital. But as a result, cruise then disabled unprotected left turns. What is an unprotected left? An unprotected left turn is where you're, because of course you're driving on the right-hand side of the road here, which believe it or not, us Brits can actually manage. It's the number one question I've been asked since I've been here. How can you drive over here? I get in a car. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then it's it's where you're turning basically across the, the other lane. Oh, okay. But there's no barrier. There's no so if it's if it's on a road where there's no there's no median, uh, there's no central reservation. So it'd be uh, like a, a, a cross junction for us over here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. If you're going into a T junction, for example, that's on the other side of the road. Yeah. Right. That's gotcha. what you would be doing. And so the car coming down the other side was going too fast. Oh, way too fast by the sounds of it. And the yeah. cruise car moved forward and then went. Oh no! And jammed its brakes on. Yeah. Um, so it was actually stationary by the time of the crash. Yes. Here's one of the things that really piqued my interest in this is Cruz believes or has come out and said that we're going to be better. Well, this uh, Cruz spokesperson. Cruz is part of GM, by the way, everyone. Yes, it is owned by GM. Cruz AVs are better equipped to prevent this singular exceptional event. One, I have real issues with that statement because I don't believe it is exceptional uh, or singular. Uh, (laughs) But the other thing is that they believe that their software will now be better equipped to predict such a thing. There is a very interesting newsletter from uh, a couple of chaps who uh, have titled it AI Snake Oil. So guess the sort of slant they're taking on these things. Mm. Uh, And as they say about machine learning, it's utterly hopeless at predicting. And that's why I was using the air quotes earlier. If crews are using AI and are using machine learning, which is what we believe they are, because we keep being told by all these companies that's what they're doing, then they are using something that cannot do what they are claiming it will do. And that's my point from this. Uh, I'm glad they're off the road. I am really disturbed that it felt that uh, they could pull out. We don't know the full details of that accident, but mm. that a car was coming along incident. at speed. Sorry, incident. Yes, of course. I was trying so hard to be good about that because I mention it all the time as well. <laughs> People in glass houses, et cetera, et cetera. But that it still felt that it could make that turn initially. Yeah. That's, that's worrying. It doesn't sound any worse than human drivers over here, to be honest. No, I'm not. I'm not saying, but we keep being told that they're going to I know, stop yeah, accidents, etc., etc., and it's it's just tosh. Anyway, anyway, that is the end of the first part. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to be doing a proper special edition about it all. Don't worry, I'll just, I try not yeah. to go too much on about it. It's only been six years in the making, everyone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
It is now Guilt Minute, the quick page in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. You could watch two tired people record the podcast. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, we completely understand you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very, very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, and thank you everyone who does. We know you mm. do, so thank mm. you. Uh, just there is a, a smidgen of motorsport. It's that WRC's back this week. Yay. Greece, I believe, though, and Loeb's back. I think his number one task for M Sport is to bring an undamaged car to the end, please. I don't think they can afford many more full rebuilds as they've had to do in recent weeks. Mm, I think it would be appreciated, yes. Yep. New new car news, anyway. Yeah, new new car news. The, the, this week, Ariel. Is it a car or is it something else? Who knows? Who, who, who can quite tell, really? Uh, Ariel were you know famous really for their for skeletal vehicles have shown off a carbon fiber bodied electric hypercar with 1180 horsepower and it is not pretty it's quite special it it has more than a whiff of batmobile around it and yes. it probably has more wings than canards and all sorts <laughs> of stuff I, I swear there's already been a lego version of lego speedmasters version of this released or, or if not then <laughs> which is going to be very accurate in looks the styling <laughs> has been has has come around purely so that it can be made a lego speedmasters car well for starters it's an aerial with body work on it and that body work is clearly being uh, along the lines of a lot of aero in it mm. to the point where there's well well, the vertical veins on the front wings are the ones that seem to be causing quite a lot of the consternation. Yes. It doesn't look that pedestrian-friendly, but then we don't know how it's going to react in the event of an issue. But Yes, because I've zoomed in on the pictures, and there does seem to be a seam at the bottom of those. So I, I guess they they break off, or maybe they fall down, or they do something if you hit them. Yeah. And they look like they've got a greater than 10 mil radius on the front edge as well, which is required yeah. as well. But I love the fact that they've done it because it's mad. Yes. As is some of their choices of location to photograph the car. I presume it's going to be an absolute hoot to actually drive because it's aerial. That hyper bit, by the way, it's H-I-P-E-R-C-A-R and it's high performance carbon reduction. Because I was pronouncing it hipper. Hipper. No, it, just seems to be, <laughs> it does seem to be hyper. As in high performance. But 1,445 kilos, four 295 brake horsepower motors, one at each wheel. That's not quite how this reads. I have an EV range of about 150 miles, the option of a range extender in the shape of a catalytic generator. Okay. Oh, right. Oh, compact microturbine engine in whatever fuel is appropriate or acceptable. Okay, that sounds a little bit far-fetched, but it could be a gas turbine. There you go. That's probably what it is. Oh, imagine hearing that. <laughs> You can have two or four-wheel drive. It can have torque vectoring, and it should be capable of 20 minutes of intense running on a racetrack from a single charge. And it's been in development since about 2017. To be fair, it doesn't look like anything else. 
no, as ever with Ariel. It, it doesn't. And I like that they've explored it. I mean, it, it's not a looker. It is it is function over form entirely. But there's, uh, yeah, I'd love to see it in, in the flesh. I have a feeling that actually the photos don't do it justice. No, when you see that side-on shot, it reminds me a bit, what was that lunatic EV that smashed the Goodwood Hill Climb? I can't it's think. It's that sort the of double, small double barrel, The double-barreled Irish one. Yeah, the small proportions and tiny window and it's not quite it, obviously this window is bigger than that thing had Naomi, i'm so sorry that we've forgotten the name yes we do apologize brilliant thank you for doing it uh, well look did you see the gas turbine comes out the back at the top so it is just like a batmobile yeah yeah yes <laughs> and yeah cool anyway it's i think it's pretty awesome anyway uh designers mood board and only one you new car news yeah, and this is the news that Julian Thompson has managed to swing as part of his deal to get General Motors to adv- uh, to open an advanced design centre for Europe in in the Midlands. I don't know if that's what he did, but he is going to be based in the Midlands, and he's going to work with his team that he's putting together. Uh, strong team, sorry. Go team. Quote. Yes, that they will be helping all the GM brands across all the markets. Uh, he said, we will be a kind of think tank and contribute to everything that happens inside the mothership. Interesting that as part of this, they're saying that GM will return to Europe with its brands. With with brands. Mm. It's a curious one. We'll see what happens. Well, that's what it says in the first paragraph. Yeah, I know, but they've been busy closing off their markets, haven't they? Well, yeah, it, it does seem rather strange and unusual. Let's see how long this... Oh, this sounds awfully negative. Let's see how long this lasts, shall we? No, but it's great that uh, I love the idea. Julian's that. back in in the automotive trade. Yeah. Anyway, that's brilliant. Lunchtime read. Mm. Uh, lunchtime read is the end of manual transmission, and it's on the Atlantic. So large pinch of salt to be taken along with that, I suppose. Uh, especially when it starts with stick shifts are dying. When they go, something bigger than dr- than driving will be lost. Uh, is the the opening sort of header paragraph. Have a little bit of a read. I, I have a theory on this. I'm going to expound, expound my theory here. It's mm-hmm. that I foolishly bought a manual car because it was available here in, in the US. Uh, and do you know what the problem with manual cars is in the US? What's that? Four-way stop signs. That's what it is. The fact that here in the US, they are obsessed with stop signs. Uh, and every time you stop, obviously, you have to stop right the way down to first, as opposed to a give way where you can where you can slide through in second or third and save yourself a couple of shifts, the actually having to stop is a total pain in them. That said, I have not come, not yet come across a four-way stop sign which wouldn't be better as a roundabout. But hey, <laughs> what do I know? That'll be too confusing for them. Uh, there but, are some but, around here, and, and yes, that just you know, just, just just don't stop in the middle of roundabouts, idiots. <laughs> That's for all our US listeners. <laughs> That's Massachusetts. They, we actually have roundabouts here in Massachusetts. Some, very few, not nearly enough roundabouts here in Massachusetts. And, and but other states, it's just like, whoa, what is this crazy communist stuff? <laughs> but I think this is an interesting article because it gets the conversation going. Because mm. this was on uh, social media a few months ago. What I would say, though, is it does allow us to deploy Alan's favourite, Depends. Ah, it does. It totally does. I'm. I'm a. It depends on the car and the journey and what and who I'm with. Mm. For me, yeah, we'll, we'll cover this at some point anyway. Yeah, driving in the US and stuff. Yeah, 
have a little bit of a a, a, a read. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is it is worth reading. Definitely worth reading. Otherwise, we wouldn't put it up there for you. But list of the week. Mm. 11 groovy concept cars from the swinging 60s. Haggerty. It is Google a good swing. list. It is a it's good a- list with some really interesting things. It is, isn't it? Um, there's lots, many of which I've seen in real life. Yeah. Show off. <laughs> uh, are you wanting me to choose one? I do, please. Uh, I'm going to choose the Bertone Alfa Romeo Carabo. Okay. Good, solid choice. That. From 19, Lovely colour. From 1968, and it was fully functional, and it's currently in the Museo Storico Alfa Romeo. You did your very... That was, I was quite impressed by that, because given that I was a completely dry run at it. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I am high, mightily I, impressed with that, I am. There are 11 on the list. Do you have a, do you have a choice? Well, I've gone for the Batoni Alfa Romeo Kanguro, which you can tell is nowhere near as well pronounced as Alan just did. <laughs> yeah, that's a new one by me. I don't really aware of that one. But I, what I like from this list is we get because this uh, this is polar opposite of the one you picked in mm. terms of looks and the uh, and the idea behind it and everything. But we get the whole gambit in this list, which I think is a really clever thing they've managed mm. of the sort of curvaceous futuristic optimistic to we are pointy the future just before the 70s came along yeah and i think it's a great snapshot in time it's lovely and there's well there's a fantastic mix as well because when we both just chosen both just chosen alpha Romeos. yeah but you know there are plenty of uh, of other cars from both sides of the uh, both sides of the atlantic yep yeah, because the second one on the thing, I've never seen that before. And what a wonderful way of doing things. Mad and impractical, but what a wonderful way of doing mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the yeah. third, I think I think it might be the third one down that you're talking about. Yes, lots of great stuff there. Oh yeah, it is the third one, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Do do have a run through that cracking list. And finally, Alan. And finally, lots of people, certainly that we follow on Twitter and who follow us on Twitter, uh, do like collecting model cars. It's just like collecting cars. But you don't have to have a divorce, a shed in which to keep them. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing, quite frankly, that the chap in this this article in Auto Express by Giles Chapman is uh, does hasn't had a uh, hasn't had a divorce. No, uh, he recommends, by the way, to not do what he does and just don't start collecting anything. Uh, it's a chap called Marian Grados. He currently drives a gold Nissan Micra C plus C. Uh, however, he has uh, he has about five thousand models. And they are quite impressively displayed. Many, many pictures to go along with this, uh, as well mm. as how he how he got into it and, and and got started. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Some lovely, lovely models. Lovely stuff there. He specialises in American cars and mostly Rolls Royces at one eighteen and one twenty four scale, but one to forty three, obviously matchbox size, kind of made that go a little bit crazy, really. <laughs> But he's got like separate displays for things like European Car of the Year, Royal Family Transport, all sorts of all sorts of sub displays that just not even the greatest auto museum in the world could put on. No, kind of cool, yep. awesome Love stuff. It. Really nice, a really nice, yes, nice happy article that one. Thank exactly you. Exactly what and finally is for. Exactly, it is totally. Any parish notes? I don't think so. Nope. Nope, not this week. Nope, not this week. All quiet on the Western Front. Which 
brings me really to say that don't forget between now and next week you can give us any feedback share your thoughts with the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities uh, remember you can support us financially via patreon and please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing andrew in the meantime what's the best way to get in touch with you Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And I don't know if people would like to get in touch with you personally. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, Twitter as well, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will be back, as I say, very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>